0: Hello, welcome to yet another edition of the Surgeons of Horror podcast, where this time around we're going to be dissecting the classic film which came out in 1976 called The Omen, Uh, It was directed by Richard Donner and uh, written by David Seltzer, starring Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, David Warner, and Billy Whiteshaw. Uh, With music by Jerry Goldsmith too, which I have to add, because I got him a little Oscar along the way, um, which was was kind of exciting for him. And uh, because he is a a debonair when it comes to providing musical scores, and uh, yeah, it was great to kind of see him kind of rewarded in that sense. Should introduce myself, my name is Saul Muerte. I'm the lead surgeon and host for the Surgeons of Horror podcast. And as always, when we bring a film up to be dissected and discussed on the uh, celluloid slab, I I need somebody alongside me to make sure that we uh, perform the deed and, uh, and get some insights into the film. So I will introduce you to my colleague today in this episode, and that is none other than Oscar Jack. Welcome aboard, Oscar.
1: Thank you very much, Saul. Uh, happy to be here diving into uh, one of the iconic uh, evil little kid movies.
0: Little kid movies, probably one of the first of, of memory, really, like 1976. I and mean, obviously, we've had a a lot uh, that have come since then. Um, and it's also spawned numerous kind of uh, quirky kind of comedy rip offs and nods and. Accolades are towards this particular film and when I was watching this recently as well There's so much of um, hot fuzz that came to my mind the uh, Simon Pegg movie uh, And Edgar Wright that I suddenly, I just kind of forgot I haven't and I'm a big fan of that movie I haven't watched it in ages but there were moments in this where I was like oh my god Yeah, that's totally taken from the omen um, And we'll get to those uh, little gems along the way uh, but we're doing this because um, it's forty-five years since the Omen uh, was released, and it kind of coincided recently. It did a couple of articles on uh, the third day, um, Omen film starring Sam Neill because that celebrated forty years since its release this year, and uh, Omen for the Awakening also got uh, its um, a history uh, celebration with thirty years since that was released. So there's a there's a good kind of synergy going on, and. Initially, uh, the film, uh, the original film that that we're going to dissect was released on June the 6th, 1976, so obviously the 666 kind of plane, and that kind of was released in the UK uh, uh, on that date. It didn't come out till the States side until uh, later in the month, around June 25th. Um, and it's an interesting one because, as I said, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith won Best Original Score for the uh, for the film, um, which is a big thing for horror because, as we know, horror often gets snubbed in uh, the uh, when it comes to the Academy Awards. It was a huge, huge one for um, for Jerry Goldsmith, um, but also like uh, the, the reception, it went kind of gangbusters uh, from a box office kind of perspective. Got uh, 2.8 million um and uh you know which is which is huge when it comes to that kind of response and even critically um interestingly though it kind of it was a mixed response a lot of people kind of were calling it a, a silly film or you know um a, a bit kind of overly dramatic or tout in some places um but i kind of feel like they missed the the concept of the movie, personally, um, when that came out. And naturally, when you're doing a film which is about the Antichrist uh, being uh, reborn uh, into the world, it's always gonna be marked with controversy. And this film was, you know, without kind of persuasion, uh, was gonna always have that kind of degree of controversy surrounding it uh but what let's um i I find it difficult to kind of know when i personally watched this movie for the first time because it feels like it's always been embedded in my psyche uh and i i know that i have watched it countless times though over the years um but interested to know your perspective do you remember when you first came across this movie oscar or
1: uh yeah i for the longest time i thought i had um seen it kind of early when i was a bit younger when i was like 12 or 13 on Voxtel on movie channel uh but yeah. i actually believed that i had never seen this movie and i had only seen uh. the remake uh, oh, so I, right. I, so I, the Julia
0: Dahls and uh, Lee Schreiber movie. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay, I'd, okay. I'd
1: seen that uh, uh, and it wasn't until I, re- I watched it uh, apparently for the first time um, <laughs> earlier in the year yeah. uh, that I was like, no, it was definitely the remake that I saw. There. I was <laughs> like, there's those little, it, it, the things that stick in my mind from that remake uh, were surprisingly the things that they took most directly from yeah. the original yeah, um, and so just like just those little bits of images uh, those little bits and pieces um, but yeah it's <laughs> it, it was nice watching um, watching it so uh, recently so that I can kind of come into this as a, a fresh fresh mm-hmm. set of eyes um,
0: yeah I, I always find it really interesting um, and it's uh, when when somebody's watched it like you have where they've caught the remake and then they've Uh, watch the original because um that's happened a lot and um and that's no um disrespect to the your journey into into discovering this movie um i just find that modern uh cinema audiences will obviously remember the more kind of fresher film um and and in some cases they will go and venture and want to watch the original um so and in some cases they don't they're quite happy to yeah, the remake is what it is. Well, um, well, and
1: the, and the remake was such a part of that uh, that that mid two thousands wave of of seventies uh, yeah. particularly satanic remakes. Because uh, you, you, you had Amityville horror, you had yeah uh, the Omen, uh, not satanic, but you had like the awful fog, the fog remake. Oh, yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah, the Tom of, Welling, the... aka Superman. Um, yes. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: yeah that was that was a really interesting period where they just they just remade the, like a dozen of those classic 70s horrors mm-hmm. yeah. um, for, for all of those mid 2000 uh, <laughs> filling them with mid2000s uh teens
0: yeah that's right uh there, there was a lot of them a lot of them came along our way for good or ill uh, and you know even like the classic um uh slasher films as well which kind of got remade um oh sure,
1: prom yeah prom night, prom night and, um, in there as well yeah Valen, my bloody valentine um or, or like as a valentine's day um a whole bunch of those ah, yeah yeah so much right.
0: yeah yeah that's exactly right so um and interesting as well because I, I was just trying to uh look in the background um because i've got this up ready but in case um there's a lot about the omen um and and the curse that surrounded the filming of it too um which there's a really good uh documentary series on shudder at the moment the uh horror movie uh, the horror streaming platform and it's called cursed films and there's a few in there and omen is one of them and it is interesting i kind of all, i watched it on the lead up to uh our chatting and you know there's things in there like um so the uh um gregory peck uh was due to uh, fly out i think and he's uh he ended up not catching this one plane he got a different one and the plane he was originally really gonna catch i think got struck by lightning um and it kind of was downed um and i think everyone was killed that was on it so um so there's this kind of like, oh, you know, thing like, yeah, that, that happened. But there was also like another one as well. Like it was something like the, uh, I, I really wish I had this in front of me, but it was, it was another um, member of the crew also flew out and his plane got struck by lightning as well. Um, but they obviously managed to get there. Uh, there's the scene uh, in the baboon enclosure. Um, which happens later on where um, I think something happened to the the car or something and the baboons actually, um, oh, that's right. They're, they're somehow one of the baboons got uh, a hold of Lee Remick's hair and was actually physically pulling her hair. So she had to go to the hospital um, following that too. And the shot that we see of her fear on her face is actually genuine fear because they're being attacked by baboons in an enclosure um and they just you know they thought it would be a good idea to provoke the uh the alpha baboon and it just went crazy and they all kind of yeah we're were really in risk of oh my god it was a really really dumb move Um,
1: yeah never mess with the alpha baboon
0: no that's right um yeah it just went crazy um but there was also other things too like um i really wish i had this stuff uh in front of me which is uh, frustrating but i, I want to say that one of the film uh crew members actually died shortly afterwards the zookeeper that was supposed to that handled the um uh i think he was in, where they shot it the line enclosure he got killed like 2 weeks after the filming happened so there's there's a lot of weird stuff around it essentially that kind of occurred at the time interestingly though uh, when you talk to Richard Donner and a couple of other people that were part of the film, I think it was one of the producers when they're asked was the film cursed they say no, I think if, if anything it was the reverse, the film was blessed because the key people survived, they do They went like Sir Gregory Peck for example wasn't killed, so if they, it was cursed he wouldn't live to make the movie and their argument is, is that you know, uh, if anything, that if the devil does exist, he would want to be uh, recognised in the art of celluloid, um, and and the idea of, of a film about his presence being kind of born into the world is probably one that he relish. And so they were kind of saying, yeah, I think I think if anything, there was a lot of stuff that happened, sure, which is. Um, you can't put down to coincidence there was definitely something happening but it was almost like the movie was meant to be made not otherwise so yeah so there's some interesting stuff stuff buried in there which I thought was kind of cool um yes I'm just having a quick scan to see if there's anything else I was going to mention on the, on the curse stuff as well because um, yeah it, it, I just found it really quite uh, fascinating oh yeah lightning from the gods uh yeah uh Oh, so, yeah, so it was apparently three striking lights on planes happened. Uh, Oh, the IRA bombings was the other thing that was happening. So there was was a lot of bombings that was going on uh, around the time that the filming was being made. Um, And one of them was, uh, I think it was one of the hotels or something got bombed, which they were staying in. Oh, this is the most creepiest one. I can I forget this one? Okay, so uh, the Omen is famous for the decapitation scene um we will come to that as well when we start dissecting the narrative um but um the special effects designer john richardson um who was uh the i guess the uh, ar- chief architect of that particular scene um when he was working on another film um he was uh with his wife liz um where they got into, I think it was a car accident and they had a head-on collision. Um, Richardson was not unconscious. He survived, but his wife was decapitated when a tyre went flying through the window. Uh, When he came to, Richardson realised how eerily related the accident was to that scene in in The Omen, Um, which is like, that was probably the most uh, creepiest uh, synergy of... If there is a curse, Oh, my it. god. Yeah,
1: that's that's that is that's truly horrific. My god. Yeah, yeah, it's it's these, horrible. These,
0: yeah.
1: Mm, I mean these these films that that um, uh, you know, and I mean they've made the, this whole series of uh, series of cursed films. Yeah. Uh, on Shutter, the, the way that they um that, that these certain films. Generally, horror movies generally dealing with you know supernatural uh kind of elements. Uh, obviously, there are you know, there are those times where it's you know, like you know, it's the producer loves leaning into it a lot, but then also oh, yeah. there are these times where you are just you look at the slate of things that happen and you you kind of have to think to yourself, you're like, what is is that something that's got to be something that, <laughs> like that? That you know, surely you know, when you're dealing with with these kinds of uh things and you you know you have there's such a focus of such a large group of people yeah uh about these things uh i mean like for me i i you know i think that that creates a bit of a a bit of a you know a, a law of 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 uh of attraction yeah exactly um, for for for, uh, for, uh, for attention um yeah, these yeah. These kinds yeah. of things.
0: That's exactly right. And like uh, I think even in that in that series, the Cursed Films thing that I was saying about On Shutter, like I think I can't remember who was saying it could could have been the producer. He just said like, you know, um if there are other supposedly cursed films out there but when it's a, whenever it's related to a horror film it's, it always amplifies that kind of notion of what a cursed film is you know like you got the wizard of oz is a fine example of what was supposedly a cursed film and yes we hear about it but you don't hear it as much when it's attached to something like the omen uh, or poltergeist for example is another one of those examples of supposedly cursed movies so um yeah anyway all good let's uh let's start dissecting the narrative then let's start kind of opening up the beast as it were and kind of having a chat around what happens uh so in in the film we're opened up uh it we're set in rome in italy um it is june the 6th 1966 666 um which oh and it's at 6am as well so uh when this uh, moment happens at the beginning and this is where we meet Robert Thorne played by Gregory Peck. He's an American diplomat and he's been hurried to a local hospital where his pregnant wife, the Remick, is going into labor. Uh, when he gets to the hospital, he's informed that his child was a stillbirth stillborn and uh, they could, yeah wasn't able to kind of uh, get, keep the baby alive. Um, and a priest named Father Spileto played by Martin Benson then offers him the choice to adopt a baby boy that has just been born at the same time who has no parents. Uh, Thorne is a little bit reluctant to do this but knowing his wife will be devastated by the news of the death of her real child he agrees to the adoption. Now this boy's name is Damien and he moves to England with uh, his mother and father when his father is appointed. So. We're still talking about Robert Thorne, probably Peck, is appointed US ambassador to England. When, uh, so all this time, like uh, Lee Remick's uh, character, the wife, is unaware that this is it's truly like a, a
1: deep mistrust
0: uh yeah. <laughs> of,
1: of your spouse like yeah, like yeah, yeah. to lie that your 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 blood child has died uh, and you've just done the old swaparoo i think it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think I, th- I think that's truly maybe one of the most heinous things done in the movie uh, in a really uh, real yeah. um, kind of way um, and there's such it's well because uh, and I noticed so strongly that when we, after we kind of come out of the Rome prologue and we, yes. we, um, uh, they're they kind of house hunting, yes. um, and, and kind of expecting uh, that first chunk with little Damien running around is 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 so incredibly normal. Yes. Um, and even though there is kind of like definitely some kind of weird vibes in, in the Rome scene. Um, you kind of come in and get to really set the foundation for this relationship, and yes. really get to set an, an, an normality of the world. Uh, and it's great because you just you see this kid, and you can see him as a kid without the uh, spooky Jerry Goldsmith organ music playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I think I think really lends to I mean that just is a credit uh, to the you know to, to Richard Donner and the writer and like, absolutely uh, they're, they're, not, they're, they're making something that is going to be aped aped off for yeah. decades to come um, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah whereas like, they making we're they're, they're making a real like- story.
0: We're closing half a century and there's so much much iconic moments within this movie that is still kind of a reference today. So that and that says something about the film um, and the way that it's uh, entered into the public consensus. Um, Yeah, it's yeah, I think that it it speaks volumes. Um, And uh, what was I going to say just before I kind of delve a bit further into the plot, I find it interesting as well that the notion of six, 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 because I don't know if you're aware, that isn't actually the number of the beast. Um, it was. Uh, it was. I don't know what point it was adopted, but it was kind of adopted a bit later on because the actual. If you look, I think it's in the Bible. It's actually six one six is the mark of the beast, um, and it was kind of later, kind of just turned to six six six. Not sure why. Okay. Um, so I always find it interesting when when I see the six 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 kind of number played around because, like, you know, mm. we all are so firmly associate that number with. With the devil, um, but it's interesting that it wasn't the original uh, number that was associated with it. Mm. So, yeah, it's a hard,
1: it's a hard fun fact to deal with when you see. Uh, when you see it dealt with in an ancient way, but yes. they're like as it always has been, and you're like, well, actually, no, the yeah. original number was six one six. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I'm beg to differ. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, uh, so yes, so oh, and the other thing I was just going to say, I uh, just on the Robert Thorne thing and the, the dodgy kind of baby swap thing, like that moment is obviously. Um, where the die is cast for his character really because it's something he's it's mm-hmm. choice he's done it's a it's a obviously a, has negative associations with it but it's all part of uh Damien slash the antichrist kind of plan if you will mm. uh to elevate him to greater greater things to come uh so anyway so we we do meet up as you said with a uh, with Robert and his wife as they set up in a place in England because he's been uh, appointed US ambassador Mm. Um, and uh, they we then kind of get to once they've done the whole house hunting thing we then kind of mark the next segment if you will of the film which is where damien turns five and it's his birthday party and we have the uh this whole kind of lead up to it we have david warner we're introduced to david warner's character for the first time here he plays a character called keith and he's kind of lurking around in the background you know taking photos um and uh because he's uh, he's kind of associated with the press and and he will sell his film, his photographs to the press to kind of use. So he's there, kind of marking the occasion on behalf of the press. Um, but we also get this moment where we're introduced to the the nanny uh, character uh, that's been kind of employed. Um, and there's a moment where she's kind of insisting on taking care of Damien. Um, but, the uh, Lee Remick, I've got to figure out what her name is. I keep calling her by her, her, her character's name. Um, I'll, I'll look that uh, up. It's I'll look, Ka- uh, Catherine. Catherine, thank you. Uh, Catherine Thorne. Like, Catherine Thorne. Rather than keep calling her Lee Remick. Um, so yeah, Catherine's character, um, is, uh, a, kind of a, aware that the nanny's been a bit possessive. So she kind of takes, she's like, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take him. And look after him and the next thing we know uh good old nanny's up on top of the roof of this uh, rather lustrous building um and we get that infamous uh lines i'm it's all for you damien um and she has a noose around her neck throws herself off uh hangs herself and also uh, is that am i right that like she smacked the window gets smashed too Wait. Her body comes back in, or am I forgetting that anyway? Um, mm. but anyway, so she, I, believe,
1: I believe that's the, yeah, yeah, that's the case.
0: She hangs herself, um, but there's a moment as well where, while this is a while, well, obviously, this shock moment has happened, there's a beautiful shot with Lee Remick, close up shot, aghast while she's holding uh Damien, comforted in him, and his attention though is elsewhere because there is a dog, uh, Rottweiler kind of lurking in the background and there's the ominous music kind of playing while they mm. kind of play a staring competition with one another um and uh, and a little wry smile comes across uh, his face um yeah yeah it's, a cool yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's the re- it's the real moment of of you know like if you don't know what movie you're walking into at this point you're like okay kill the kid
0: kill yeah the kid yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah um yeah. It's because it's, it's truly. I mean, the the movie. It's I think one of the reasons that it is so highly regarded. Um, I mean, these deaths aren't super numerous. There's like no. a good handful, but all yeah. of them are so incredibly iconic and yeah, so incredibly, sho- it's like still shocking and still yes. like like really affecting um, yes. because it's. Uh, uh, pretty pretty much all of them there is you you get the reactions of the people you get the, the the kind of reality check of the horror um and uh when it when it is something that's a bit more kind of uh uh, uh open like this I mean you get all of that that uh, yeah her just stepping off and hanging herself is just uh is just truly truly uh yeah truly horrific yeah it's um, such a great way to kick off um Kick off the horror of the movie.
0: Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you, you you exactly what you said. You you know what you're walking into. I really like the I, I really like the the dog component too because um, the, it kind of strikes the whole kind of hounds of hell uh, symbology um, that's associated with it. Um, and interestingly, on that, it wasn't meant to be a Rottweiler to begin with. I'm pretty sure it was meant to have been a German Shepherd. Um, mm. That was the initial. Idea, um, but they ended up for, for good. Or, I can't remember why, but they ended up with the Rottweiler for some reason. Um, and it would have been very interesting yeah. um, to switch them out, uh, particularly because
1: uh, I think it was. It was only a few years later that Gregory Peck would uh, star in The Boys from Brazil, yeah. um, that also has a very iconic dog scene. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> it does. <laughs>
1: In, in yeah. his in his truly wonderful seventies uh, kind of exploitative uh, 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 horror
0: films. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It would be interesting too because I don't know. I've always associated Rottweilers as, as a bit more of a, a menacing canine, um, and and I, I think because I, I, they're both guard dogs essentially. That's what their, their purposes are. But I think because my aunt had a German Shepherd, uh, uh, and its bark was always worse than its bite so to speak it was a very loud bark but it was a guard dog it's there to protect I think Rottweilers have a similar thing to them in that association they're, they're there to protect and they're loyal to those they protect so it's kind of it is kind of cool in that respect when we come tie it back to the movie um, because that's what they're there for in this case it's there to protect the Antichrist and and uh, look over it make sure he's doing okay Um, When we come back to the movie, though, we're we're cut to a few days later and we have a new nanny that arrives on the scene. Uh, Her name is Mrs. Baylock. She's played by Billy White Law. And um, her performance is great in this, too. Um, And she's basically sent in to replace her. But it's kind of not really clear... Um, she's, she's kind of
1: come in on, on her own accord. It's, yeah, it's, they're like, oh, we haven't sent for anyone.
0: Yeah, and she right. just kind
1: of plays the uh, the. Uh, oh, they, they've they've organised it. Yes, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Right. There's no there's no paperwork. There's no, no. like. Yeah, yeah, There's no confirmation call. It's just like I'm here. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, uh, you're okay. Which- you're- <laughs> yeah, these <laughs> days, these days are like, <laughs> oh yeah, all right, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why uh, not? We're not going to back that up. Uh, yeah, so she's on the scene and she immediately uh, challenges Cathy's authority uh, when she's instructed to dress and ready Damien to attend a church wedding with them. Uh, and she does so. Uh, she does as she's told, uh, um, even though she's kind of saying, well, no, he doesn't want to go to church. Um, anyway, so they kind of leave for the house. Oh yeah, Thorne, at this point, he's kind of quizzed about what happened around the death of, of the previous nanny. And it's kind of uh, hushed put under put under the carpet a little bit um but in, in any way the thorns then travel to the church for this uh you know for the sunday uh i think is yeah, like i said a wedding um and as they're going Damien, and as they're approaching the church damon becomes even more fearful of, of the car as it's as the car approaches this church and starts to kind of convulse and have these sweats and then a violent reaction in which he attacks uh the mum Uh, trying to get away that in itself is interesting the the idea of attacking the the mother figure in this as well because this is uh, a very much uh, uh, a male directed gaze like it's the the male kind of persona is in this instance is where the strength allies or power I should say allies Um, so it does no good for him in this instance it would do no good for him to attack uh, Gregory Peck the father figure because that's his vehicle to uh, success so yeah turn turn on the mum and, and a precursor of what what will happen later on too um, so yeah so he starts attacking the mum and so Robert Thorne just says drive away drive away turn around we'll, and uh, the car just pulls off um, and as they move away from the church he suddenly becomes a lot better and um, mm which is telling is incredibly telling um they do discuss the uh, the thorns discuss whether his reaction to the church should be examined by a doctor uh, because he's and at this point this is where they realize that actually he's never been sick ever um in, in his life and that strikes them as a bit odd um, at this stage so yeah a few clues that are kind of dangling in front of them that all is not what it seems with their child um later on in the office um we then get um thorn gets visited by a priest who's called father brennan played by the magnificent patrick charlton um i absolutely adore this guy and not just because of the doctor who association uh, there is the hammer horror films and stuff as well that kind of ties in with it uh, this guy's a legend um and he can uh, visits father brent uh, sorry uh, thorn because he claims to have been present during damien's birth in rome five years ago he basically begs thorn to accept christ because only then can he fight the son of the devil The priest, though, is just escorted from uh, by security. Uh, 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 Sorry, um, Robert Thorn just believes that he's um, just uh, a mad kind of rambling priest, so dismisses him, sends him on his way. Uh, So he's escorted by security. Jennings, though, um, uh, the photographer David Warner, is outside. He takes note of this visitor. He's taking photos. As he does, when he starts to develop the pictures, though, the, um, during the day he started noticing some strange things going on with the development. In that, the priest has this dark object, like a javelin kind of shape, over his head, and in the pictures he uh, in the pictures that he appears in. But the anomaly doesn't appear anywhere else in any of the uh, films. It's only the ones that have the priest in the shot. We then have the next scene. Oh, do you want to say something to that, buddy?
1: Well, is, 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 does he also notice that with a picture of the nanny before she killed herself? Uh,
0: I, does he notice it at that point, or not? Does he start putting that together? Good point.
1: Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether he he, he uh, whether he has more of a pull to draw from. I, I think it's definitely the the priest that he like clocks it. Yeah, and then kind of like because he's been taking pictures at the birthday party prior. That's to right. The death.
0: So he does. Uh, the, yeah, go on. Sorry, Oscar. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no. So there, there's just those little uh, final destination, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no notations. A yeah. whole, a whole like franchise of horror films that have almost literally come from. Um, from one element of this movie, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, you're right. There's in the uh, whether it's at this, at this point or not, but we might as well discuss it because we're on it. Mm-hmm. So, when he's looking at the photos of the nanny that hung herself, there was a curious kind of um, noose-like uh, image that's around the neck part. Um, there's also this dark kind of image that kind of surrounds her head, uh, which also is suggesting. The idea is that this is suggesting the nature of their death. Um, And so with Father Brennan's case, it's a precursor of what's to come. Um, So the next uh, scene we see Kathy Thorne uh, with Damien ah this is the safari park scene where they as i was talking about earlier where they drive into the baboon enclosure and they uh the baboons start reacting uh, in fear and or anger towards damien and his presence so it's like this animalistic way of just knowing that there's this dark energy amongst them and they react to it um and uh, as it climaxes uh the group of baboons start attacking the car and Kathy uh, is forced to kind of basically drive away at speed um yeah and as i said that's the scene in there where there's a, actually a bit when the baboon kind of yanks yanks her hair and she was actually the Remick was actually having to had to be taken to hospital um, and the aftermath of that too so pretty harrowing not just the, the moment that happened mm. but the participants of that moment also kind of dealt with a really shocking moment too
1: so the, the, the classic, uh, you can put it into the playlist of, of those classic movies where animals actually attacked members of the crew and cast, like um, like the birds and um, yeah. Roar. Uh, raw is less subtly, so um, yeah. the movie with like 80 lions or something like that. Yes. Um, intense, intense. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> it, that's intense, it. intense stuff. But it's one of those moments that you lean over to the person you're watching it with and say, they really got attacked in that one, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. because i it's not even the scariest scene of the movie. It's, it's like, not. no, uh, no yeah. but, but when you find that out, you're like, oh, that's actually the most terrifying <laughs> yeah. uh, out of the whole movie because it is. Yeah, uh, actual happening. bodily harm happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it makes you kind of really look at it and go, gee, like, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's life actually happening, and you know, as I said, like you. It's a it's a curious thing, isn't it? Because obviously the shot they use with Lee Remick actually in fear um, is the one they go with because it's a genuine emotion that is being displayed, um, and you'd be a fool of a if a, if you were a filmmaker not to use that. But there is that whole kind of um, uh, what am I trying to say? This whole is that right or wrong kind of to yeah. do that the,
1: the, the, the ethical filmmaking ethical, uh, yes. i mean i mean it, and i mean it's the kind of thing uh, that kind of pops up the most often with stunt performers is that yes. um like when there are these these um kind of accidents that are not accidents because it's a, a kind of calculated element but when something goes wrong in a stunt yeah. um you kind of hear it quite often that you know as long as it didn't create death in that case generally they're like you're using that right like you yeah, know yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that, like please tell me you're using that because because we had it it's real whereas you know obviously yeah, some yeah. people and and actors are a little bit um uh, uh different beasts um tempera, you know uh, 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 emotionally yeah. um <laughs> some performers are a little bit more uh, intense um yeah, yeah. god 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 bless them uh, awesome. but yeah i, I I think this, you know, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is. I think it is. It's such a complex kind of uh, situation that is so common with, with, uh, with those horrors that have those elements. It's the same kind of thing with The Shining and, and yeah, kind yeah. of the way that um, Shelley Duvall was kind of pushed and isolated by the by the. the yeah, I mean, yeah, that he it's obviously more. Uh, further on one scale but it is that thing of putting an actor in a dangerous situation that isn't terribly safe uh thankfully doesn't happen too much anymore and hopefully we just let actors act um because they're generally quite good at pretending um hopefully (laughs) you don't need the real stimulus in front of you uh to, to have the genuine emotion that's right uh, but it's uh, yeah, but, you know you right. want it you, it's, if it's gonna happen you want it to be in the movie
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah alright so speaking of so we get um, Robert Thorne who uh, is and we pick up with him and he is being followed by uh, the priest um, Father Brennan and he's kind of pulled aside at a public event and at which point the priest tells him that his wife is in danger and he needs to talk to him Uh Jennings, uh, the photographer, is also at the event uh, taking pictures, and again when he develops them, he sees this dark anomaly above the priest. The next day, um, Thorn then meets with the priest again, and Father Brennan again tells him that Damien is the son of the devil, born of a jackal, and will kill everyone around him, and will kill his wife's unborn child as well as his wife. The priest instructs Thorne to go to Israel, to the city of Megiddo, to find a man who can tell him how to kill the son of the devil. Uh, Brennan tells Thorne about an ancient prophecy, prophecy that an antichrist will be born, grow to manhood and take over the world and lead it into death and destruction. Thorn again just thinks this guy's just crazy, and says not to bother him again. And as the priest leaves the park, all of a sudden a sun rainstorm comes up, and the priest goes to seek shelter at the church nearby. He's banging on the door, can't get in. He's locked out. The wind's howling, everything's blowing up, and all of a sudden, I think as a lightning strike hits the church, uh, church uh, steeple, uh, it falls and. Spears him right through the body and impaling him in a freak accident um yeah and again this is the moment that's iconic um and it's referenced as i said in hot fuzz um <laughs> in that case it's a big block of the the the, uh, the church falls off and completely squishes uh the, uh, the, the character and I've forgotten his name off the top of my head I
1: believe it's um, Messenger Tim Messenger
0: Tim Messenger that's it
1: Tim, Tim Messenger, Messenger. But yeah. see that thats you can tell that's good um, it's good character naming yeah. when you just have to think of what the character is and you're like messenger because uh, all of the names are all uh, uh yeah because yeah. he's a journalist
0: um yeah that's it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's great uh, And the mess that's right and the messenger and it can play on so so many levels um uh, yeah really really cool um so yeah so we have this moment that happens to uh father brennan and he's the the messenger has been killed uh, don't shoot the messenger unless you're the antichrist and then you can do what you like so uh then thorn goes home and he um at this point this is where uh kathy tells him she's pregnant uh he's kind of startled by this news but he also receives at the same time a phone call telling him to examine the newspaper's cover story about the priest's bizarre death um at this point also kathy's getting slightly agitated by damien like there's certain things that he's doing that's getting on his, on her nerves um so she then goes to see a therapist about it. Um, she also tells Robert that she doesn't want this pregnancy. She wants to terminate the pregnancy. This again kind of disturbs Thorne, and he's like decides to go to the therapy the therapist as well to discuss Kathy's concerns. Um, while he is out, this is when uh, Damien um, is riding around on his little um, scooter, his whole trike, His little trike, yeah, which. Uh, I I always have this weird it's funny that you mentioned The Shining as well I have this weird crossover in my head with those these two movies with the riding around in a trike thing like I have this image of Damien riding around but with the with the you know the uh, tessellation car yeah um, and I I get it a little bit confused in my head sometimes anyway but that's just me Mm. Um, so uh, we have Damien kind of running around on this thing. At this point, Cathy um, uh, is, I think she's trying to hang a pot plant, from memory, uh, off the side of the, the banner. So she's on a... On
1: the mezzanine level.
0: Yeah, high up. Um, yeah, and she's on these, uh, like, a step ladder kind of stool thing. And, of course, we can see this happening. Um, a mile off. Well, it's,
1: <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's once the, the nanny opens the door. Yeah, Um he's because he's, he's riding around and then she just opens the door and he goes riding straight out uh yeah. into the rest of the house. Um and it's just that yeah, it's the it's the cutting from the 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 dams and the distress on the train
0: rails to the train just rocketing towards yeah, yeah. them cutting back and forth. <laughs> nice nice analogy. The uh yeah, uh exactly that. And we we can see it happening, you know. And it's it's shot in that way that we know it's going to happen too. At this point, of course, he slides into the uh the stall that the mum is standing on she tips over loses her balance and is hanging on the the base of the banister essentially part of of the mezzanine and uh Damien just kind of is just looking at her with a very blank look as she's pleading with him to help Um, and then she loses her grip slips and falls to uh the ground below um and uh, this uh, injures her and in the process, of course, and kills her unborn child. Um, so that job is done. <laughs> There's no rightful heir that's going to take place uh, of, uh, in, to step aside, uh, in place of Damien. Um, and at this point, uh, Jennings, the photographer, also calls for Robert Thorne to meet him. And he shows him the photographic anomalies with the old nanny. Uh, that we were talking about before the one that hung herself and Father Brennan's. Uh, Thorne then tells him about the priest's warnings um, and Jennings said he's now involved because he found an anomaly on a picture of himself in which he has no neck. Um, Jennings takes Thorne to the priest's residence which he has access to due to the police investigation into his death and they find an odd old collection of crosses and Bible pages everywhere um this is at the point where then thorn and jennings then travel to Italy to kind of find this uh, prophet, pro, uh pro, the prophecy um or or the Father so, that i kind the, of the- mentioned um,
1: yes, because uh, there's the 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 uh, man who knows about the prophecy, but they also need to seek out the priest who oversaw. That's it, uh,
0: um, yeah, that's quite, in yes. it Who
1: is in Italy? Yes, Yes,
0: that's right. That's right. So the two birds, one stone scenario uh, to try and get to the bottom of what what it is that's going on with this Damien.
1: Oh um, yes, because they go they go to Rome to look for the birth records.
0: That's it. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So um, and this is when. Um, they find uh, a, a, the priest that gave him Damien at the hospital. Uh, while they're in Italy, they quickly learn that the hospital where Damien was born burned down in a mysterious fire five years ago, uh, along with all of the birth records. So they have no, they can't track any evidence of, of Damien's birth. Um, they then go and find the priest, Father Spileto, living in a remote monastery, only to find him in a very... Grave health um, very ill he's severely burned and has uh, movement only in his left hand he uses a piece of charcoal um, to kind of scribe and the priest points him in the direction of Damien's true mother Thorne and Jennings then travel to the local cemetery that lies in ruins the former site of a shrine dedicated to the devil god to uh, they find the grave sites of both Damien's mother and the thorns baby buried there
1: mm. it's the yeah yeah but they the don't know birth. yeah yes yeah that's the swap
0: yeah um, the mother's grave contains a jackal's remains and the other grave contains a baby whose skull was crushed as uh, mm. uh, thorn realizes his baby was actually murdered not born uh, stillborn at this point uh, apparently by Spileto and some satanic conspirators, in order to swap its place with Damien. As they leave the cemetery, they are then attacked by a, a, a load of dogs, uh, led by a black Rottweiler. Uh, but they manage just about to escape. Uh, it's,
1: it's such a fantastic set piece, the whole yeah. um, uh, the whole cemetery scene, and it's something I feel like, particularly at that point, I think the set pieces. The deaths and the set pieces um, are so well placed within the narrative yeah. um, because it because we've had kind of a real big chunk of like chat, a lot of talking, a lot of kind of like digging into the mystery. Uh, like, I really love the uh, the team up element yes. of like we're, we're in this together.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I do. Uh,
1: it's 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 such a fun it's such a fun dynamic when uh, when they're bo- because they're both a hundred percent in they're both they, 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 they need to they need to find out what the, the truth behind all of this is and just the the moment of of pulling up um uh uh, uh pulling up the uh the the the, the, the um the term of the mother yes um I don't even know what I was kind of thinking. I was like, "Oh, it's a—it's literally a jackal. It's like it's—it's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's straight up. It's not—it's not, it's not um, religious hyperbole of like yeah, yeah. you know his mother was a quote a jackal. Uh, like you know whether that meant if that had symbology, it's like yeah. no, he was literally born out of a dog. Yes. Um, out of a, out of a, you know, or you know, uh, it's it's yeah, it's 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 such a uh, like wonderfully stylized scene. It is like yes. truly so incredibly gothic, yes. um, and 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 it, it really feels like um like it's uh. uh like a like a true descendant of like one of the universal monster movies yeah, um, yeah. it feels like a cemetery from you know frankenstein or you know uh, you know one of those um great movies it's, yeah, yeah it's wonderful
0: yeah and you've got you've always got to, like well, don't always but it's always nice to have a cemetery scene in in a horror film um you know it because it's you know it's the earmarker of of what we are all destined to to become, you know, we are we're all we all have uh, graves with our names on them. Um, so uh, the symbology, uh, the, the symbolism of death is is always uh, probably at its most prominent when you have a cemetery in its place, um, and to and uncover like uncover remains as well, um, and disturb the ground. Is always a bit of a, a an omen in itself of what <laughs> what may come about. Like, do you really want to um, unearth uh, the secrets and find out something incredibly harrowing in the process in your journey to um, rid the world of evil? Um, yeah, it'd be an interesting, interesting journey. Um, okay, so they managed to escape. Uh, the scene and this is where Robert then calls his wife who's in the hospital and he tells her she has to come to Italy um, and she's kind of set to do that and is about to get ready but then she gets a visit from Mrs. Baylock at the hospital the nanny and they have a an exchange a physical exchange a big fight kind of breaks out and um, Mrs. Baylock is able to throw Remick, uh, Kathy the mum out of the hospital window um and then kind of goes about her day. Um, so yeah, the mother has been killed as prophesied by Father Brennan
1: cracking in that 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 car rooftop. Um, another great, another great death. Another another, great, you know death. Out, that, another out, great death. out that window. Impactful. Because you, you, oh, you and there, there's an element that we kind of skipped over with the photographs. Is that yes. uh, when the photographer first took the pictures of the priest, it the image was not on the priest, but it was near it. Yeah, and and so it has this element of uh, these people. There is a chance, uh, you know. Obviously, the path that they've continued down has kind of ensured their death. Yeah. Um, but it is that thing where there is that little bit of hope. It is not a kind of completely grim, uh, 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 grim kind of outcome, No. Um, which is so important for the movie, for the success of the movie, uh, yeah. and for the like the ultimate kind of payoff. Because you are like, oh, there's there's a chance, there's a chance, and they just keep on missing it. The wife yeah. almost got away. She almost, if she got out, she would have been fine. But it was just that thing where the the, um, the the turn of the screw you know it just yeah. keeps on getting exactly. tighter and tighter on them
0: and it's in its fate you know and what path they take can they avoid this mm. kind of uh, precursor or, or this thing that will happen to them and this is what emphasizes the jennings character's journey as well because he's fully he's a he's in possession of these um uh, things that are said to come he, he's he's captured evidence of this and of himself so he, he has this vested interest in trying to prevent this from happening and will do anything he can do to do that um which makes that journey really interesting i'm a massive fan of of, of warner uh, as an actor i think he's 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 so damn good um and this is probably uh, one of his better performances of many uh, performances that he's done um so we get uh, Robert then um, back at the Hotel Thorn, receive, he, this is where he receives the phone call and he finds out that his wife has apparently jumped to her death from her hospital window um, and he is s- completely surrounded by grief at this point and we have that beautiful moment where Jennings comes back and he kind of tells him what's happened um and he basically says that he wants to go to megado and that he wants damien to die this is he's this is the turning point for him he's like no, like he's destroyed everything precious to me i need to stop this so thorn and Jennings then head to jerusalem and this is where they find that uh, megado is uh, uh, an, an archaeological dig in the process and it's almost completely underground um, and a man appears and takes them to see Carl Bugenhagen, played by Leo McKern, the only character um, or actor I should say, who actually uh, transcends across more than one movie in the franchise, because he appears in Damien 2 as well. Um, the man the priest told Thorn to find is this guy. Um, Bugenhagen is an early English archaeologist and he tells Thorn that he has been expecting him. He insists on taking, uh, talking to Thorn alone as Jennings is forced away outside the dig site. Bugenhagen basically gives Thorn um, seven special daggers, explains their significance and how to kill Damien. He also tells Thorn that Damien will have the mark of the beast on him, three sixes somewhere on his body uh at this point thorn and jennings leave uh the uh, archaeologist and thorn uh, flings the knives away saying he won't kill a child he's changed his mind he's like i can't do it this is he's a child i can't bring myself to do it uh jennings can't believe that he's now changed his mind and he's like he picks up the knives and said well if you're not gonna do it i'm gonna do it instead and all of a sudden um a truck comes out of nowhere uh reverses and um yeah it kind of moves into reverse by itself essentially um it's carrying uh sheets of glass on the back of it and as it stops one of them slides off the truck and it comes flying towards jennings decapitates him um and we see the head bounce across um now there's uh, yeah say something on that. well
1: well, there's I mean, it's it. I, I feel like this is the culmination of the sheet of glasses revenge uh, in uh, cinematic and television history. For so yeah. long, it was getting run into by people chasing, uh, whereas it finally gets to be the one running through a person
0: instead of the <laughs> yeah, running yeah. through glass. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I like I like that turn. That's cool. Yeah. Um. There's there's a cool little thing with this uh, shot because. Um, when this happens, like uh, the moment happens, a lot of, uh, it, when they were looking at it cinema audiences, um, whenever something shocking happens, a, a human reaction is to kind of cover your eyes and cover your face, because you don't want to see whatever's happening. And there is this kind of rule of thumb, like it's just a human thing where you almost like you count to three in your head, and then you look back up. Um, at something and it's a it's, it's a beat the beat of three is quite a common thing you see it often in repetition where in in horror films where they'll show or something will happen three times or like two times before the third thing so like jump scares as an example like you get two moments where nothing happens you think something's gonna happen and then all of a sudden the jump scare happens on the third the third encounter similar kind of thing um so yeah so he, he you know this is the the, the brilliance of of donna uh, and the editor in that they went right i want you to hold it for another second with that the head bouncing extra so the idea is that in the audience is they cover their right they see it happening they go oh god that's terrible when they cover their eyes and just when they think it's done they look back up, and it's still happening. Um, so mm. it was a great way of like a double uh, double punch uh, moment, uh, which is again great great filmmaking. Um, so yeah, so Jennings is is dead. He's 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 out, um, and uh, at this point, um, Thorne basically goes back home. He he has he picks up the knives, and he's like, no, this is even more important now like i i have to carry this mission through i have to kill Damien. he returns to his house that night and uh, like, oh, but boy. he
1: does need he does need he does have the doubt of like i need but how do i know i don't know it's like he's yes. got he'll have the sixes He'll have the mark on his skin. He's like... I need to find that. He's like, it it must be under the hair because he knows, you know, his his son, he knows that he doesn't have any birthmarks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's got to be somewhere that's been hidden. So he goes to... He picks up the knives, he goes home, and he's basically, like, determined to prove that this is the case, that this son is the Antichrist. So uh, he... It's nighttime, as I said when he gets there, um, he uh, there's a Rottweiler waiting for him um, but he manages to uh, trap the, the Rottweiler in, in the basement um, and get away from it and then gets up to uh, Damien who's sleeping and he has some scissors and he basically starts cutting his hair, uh, looking on the scalp for the birthmark and that's where he comes across the three sixes and just as he discovers this um mrs baylock then enters the scene and she basically attacks him and uh as he he's trying to take damien downstairs um there's a bit of a skirmish that happens but he manages to uh stab her with a kitchen knife and uh get away with damien Uh, jumps into the car speeds off to get to the local church Without actually, I think did he knock down the gates to the house? I think on the way out, and so it, cause it's because it's an ambassador's residence; it's it's heavily guarded. So I think this is then um, alerts the guards and then the police that uh, something is amiss, <laughs> something's going down. So they are in pursuit of him too. Um, and a police a police officer also sees him pursuing uh, sorry speeding so he goes off in in pursuit as well Thorne then drives to the church with several police cars on his tail he gets to the church and takes Damien kicking and screaming to the altar he's a he gets the daggers he's about to stab Damien with the dagger he has it poised and ready the doors burst open and we have the police officers warning him don't don't make the move You, you know if you if you move, we'll shoot you. And uh, Robert takes no heed, wants to get the job done, tries to plunge the knife down into Damien, but he's then shot and killed. So we have our hero protagonist killed in this moment. And we get our epilogue, uh, where the film has... Uh, the, it's the funeral of Robert and his wife, and it's in Arlington National Cemetery, and we see Damien has been adopted by Robert's brother, who is actually the president of the United States. Um, and Damien uh, has this point where the camera focuses on. Damien looks into the camera and he smiles somewhat menacingly as the prophecy of the Antichrist is being fulfilled. And we have our credits at the end. This scene is, uh, the, that's one scene at the end, is is also an iconic uh, shot in itself. Um, and it sets the tone of, of, of the whole of the movie. It's that resting beat, if you will, that uh, essentially, despite everything, the Antichrist is still uh, looming and, and is set to carry out his will. And because of that, it's almost, it was almost inevitable that um, I'm following the success of this film. There was always inevitable that there would be more to come. Um, and we do get that uh, to a degree as well. Um, but let's just mark our motion and our, our conversations just on this film. What, how did you? Uh, so you, when when you watched this moment, were you aware of that, that the ending of this? I mean, because I know you had seen the first film, but was it how? Was it that iconic, or was it? Yeah,
1: I, I was I was definitely aware of of, of, of that moment of the yes. kind of the turn to camera and smile the the fourth wall break. Yeah, um, uh, I, yeah. I guess it is a fourth wall break. Uh, looking at the audience and, and, and smiling menacingly. Yeah. Um, that, that that he's that he's won. That the bad guy's won uh, for this, um, which I meant really, like, is a relatively new phenomena in particularly american film yes. uh, because i know that with uh with the Hague, the hate code um that was a big part of it was the bad guys could not win
0: yeah
1: um that, that that like people who did bad needed to have just desserts This um, <laughs> just such a funny thing that that was a moral dictation uh, for yeah. decades of cinema um but I th- it, it is. well
0: I think I think a lot of it is because uh, audiences want to come out feeling uh, good at, a, at the end of a movie so and, and that reward and satisfaction right um, mm. but, but the problem with that is that it that, that's not always marked in, in truth because no good, good doesn't un, you know shock horror folks good doesn't always triumph over evil sometimes it can go the other way. Um, and this is what's the beauty of this movie too because it's and i think it I think what's great about it is like the antichrist is written like it's in it's in uh, in the bible um, but uh, the idea of of the devil is across many religions mm. and um so for me the idea of if it chose a different direction if it chose a different a way of kind of saying that you kill if you kill the devil what what left is there like because the devil is the the epitome of of evil right so in a way this had to end this way because it's Mm. it's telling us that evil is always going to be present um yeah well and
1: it it also speaks to a lot of the kind of the anxieties of the time i meant you 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 i mean you've got so much kind of cynical filmmaking coming out now um and and it's like you know i mean like we've had uh, uh you know v- we've had the vietnam war which i mean is painted cinema for, for decades yeah um where like you know people in their homes i guess were more uh kind of prepared for for loss for losing yeah. uh, since they lost such an incredibly televised war. Um, and, uh, that, that's definitely like a catharsis that, that, and, and an anxiety, uh, that, that I think filmmakers were really able to kind of capitalize on and really, um, uh, not even capitalize, but like provide a vital service, like yes. part of what cinema is for, is for releasing, um, these like great anxieties of our times that, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that we that we will either hold into ourselves and, and let them destroy us or we're able to try and release them healthily, hopefully, yeah, yeah. safely.
0: Yes, yes. That's right, that's right. And um, I mean, you've got to look at uh, a lot of the A24 films, like the horror films that we put mm. out, like, you know, like Hereditary and The Witch um, and Midsummer have all had this... Um, Element of darkness that still resides at the end of their films, um, which is, uh, yeah, like I, I feel like because, like, we're, we're moving further away from at the moment, as, 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 as I'm speaking purely on a horror film basis, is that we're moving further away from the idea of a physical presence that uh, is all um, the embodiment of horror. And we're moving more into this unknown element. It's something that we can't control that you know, leads us down this path of destruction. Um, you know, so like Midsummer is an example of that with the ritual, rituals that are in place. You know, and, and hereditary too uh, is the whole kind of we're getting the rise of of cult occult films again, essentially as well, because it does lend itself to. This dark kind of energy that's that's around yeah. us, yeah. We're, we're in uh,
1: also dark, violence. dark, uh, and 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 kind of factionalism and tribalism, and yes. you know, it's it's, it's particularly groups uh, within our without, within our individualist societies. Uh, yeah. It's it's you know, it's the whole thing of looking. At, you know, you look to your neighbor, and uh, they could actually hold very different values to you that yeah. are incredibly. Uh, starkly uh, uh, kind of um, uh, 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 starkly uh, kind of juxtaposed against yes. each other yes. Um, yes. nowadays um, uh, there is uh, there's also something I want to kind of briefly touch on is that yeah. um, I think this movie owes so much uh, of its existence um, to uh, rosemary's baby yeah um, was, yeah, which, say, yeah which is funny because I mean this this came out what 76. Uh, yeah, so cool. a, year, a year after the Vietnam War ended, Rosemary's yeah. Baby, the film, came out, I believe, the first year. It was 68. Yeah, 68, um,
0: yeah.
1: It came out r- right at the start. And uh, Ira Levins, who wrote the book for Rosemary's Baby, um, which is fantastic, I think. Yeah. Uh, I read through four four or five of his books in in, yeah. in kind of one after another. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, he really kind of brought... Horror into the urban, into yeah. into our homes. It was that's no right. longer these kind of spooky gothic castles on the hill where the horror happened. It happened in our home. Yeah. Um, that's right. And that's you know, and that that's so much a big part of this thing as well as yeah. the fact that it almost feels like. Um, Uh, It almost feels like a sequel because I mean we we end Rosemary's Baby with the baby being born, yeah, and uh, you know it's and with with this you know we kind of see him as a small child and there's almost an age like an appropriate age gap between the movie between the movies that you could almost kind of count it as as your own head canon. It's like (laughs) oh you know this is this is you know this is. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. You know, there's a little bit of geographical swapping around but like I think they, they play they play incredibly well together as a double feature I was
0: about to say that yeah you, you beat me to the bunch yeah they, they would work really nicely together and would recommend watching them back to back 100% mm. yeah no no that's cool okay so um when you so let's talk about comparisons then because you watched it um, you watched the the sequel uh, the sequel you watched the remake I beg your pardon um, ahead of this what was what was that like because obviously I I came at it from the other the other direction so I had watched this one then the sequel what was your view of the original um, having known some most of the elements that were at play Uh,
1: I think I still I think I um, and this is something I've kind of talked to some people about recently is that um, uh, currently with, with how kind of the state of the world things are I'm, I get quite hostile uh, mm. to movies that um, don't end with an element of hope yeah. um, particularly newer films I think it's kind of um, I think it's kind of morally irresponsible like to not inject hope you know you can have kind of a down movie but you gotta have like a glimmer of it at the end Yeah, of yeah. Um that is unless there is real artistry and there is real mastery and there is also a real element of fun not necessarily lightness but like like whoa like you know like real page turning kind of vibe and and that's very much how i felt with the original honestly the remake left uh so little mark on my on my memory um, that it was it was nice kind of Kind of getting to watch it uh, for the first time in sequence because yes. I'd been aware of all of those references, yes. uh, but I I really loved it. Um, yeah. I found it so incredibly engaging. Richard Richard Donner is like so wonderful, and um, the writer um, uh, what was the writer's name? Um, um, yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> also was like one of the writers on one of my other kind of childhood favorite movies uh, being Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory
0: (laughs) which Um, has that real dark moment in that one too Yeah. yes (laughs) children
1: and creepy children Uh, yeah no I think it's it it held up
0: yeah cool so uh, would you then recommend this to a modern film going audience do you think it stands up enough for for some uh, you know uh, somebody to go in and watch it today
1: I think I think absolutely. I think um, I mean it, it, it is one of those things that I would put the pre like I would put the kind of the caveat of being like, now remember this came before all of the references that you've seen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you kind of need to like really take yeah. that into account uh, because some people can kind of. I mean I I saw Citizen Kane uh, on the big screen for the first time last yeah. night, nice. and it's just ah, nice. The ref, the, like once you get past the uh, billion Simpsons references that they've <laughs> taken from citizens game yeah. um, it can be quite a kind of uh, like postmodern roadblock for people to yeah. kind of come to a movie and say oh it's so cliche yeah. but then you kind of like that's where the cliche came from it was it wasn't cliche when they did it so like take that into account but i I, even then i don't think it 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 suffers terribly from that and i think it it, um i think the performances are really great the 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 the, all of the deaths are really impactful it's an interesting kind of mystery uh element as well with kind of the investigation um i think i would absolutely recommend it
0: yeah cool yeah I, I definitely would too but I feel like maybe I'm a little bit biased because I, th- I feel like the Omen is. It, it I was quite excited when uh, the notion of having this chat around this one uh, because it's one of the big ones you know and, um, and I think that it's not just because people say it's good it's one of those ones you sit down and it is bloody good um, and I really enjoy it it's one I always like coming back to and revisiting as well so I really enjoy coming around and watching it again so i do recommend uh, if you haven't seen it do do go check it out if you have seen it before and like us have seen it more like me have watched it on numerous occasions what is it about it that you love to do let us know kind of send off uh, your thoughts uh, to our social channels uh either at facebook and or instagram and twitter uh, and hit us up and let us know your thoughts because i'm keen to, keen to know Until then, I think this is a point where we'll probably bow out. And uh, thank you for listening to our Ramblings Around the Omen, 1976 film directed by Richard Donner, starring Gregory Peck and Lee Remick. Until then, I'm your host, Saul Muerte, and I'd like to just extend my thanks once again to my colleague, Oscar Jack. Thank you for joining us on this one.
1: Absolute pleasure. It's all all for you, Damien. Look at me. It's all
0: for you, Damien. It's all for you. (laughs) Until then... Goodbye.